welcome to the Accelerate Podcast, a podcast for high-performing current and aspiring female founders and CEOs across Africa. And for those who also have a passion for Africa, this is the place to learn about the critical success factors and best practices of some of the most amazing high-performing female founders and CEOs as we help you grow to be the best version of you achieve time and financial freedom whilst living a significant life. Thanks for tuning in to listen. I'm your host, Nekamubi. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Accelerate Podcast. And I am super delighted to introduce my very special guest. Her name is Wambui Mbessa and she's the CEO of Introsoft International East Africa a subsidiary of Introsoft International, a leading IT solutions and services companies headquartered in Luxembourg in Europe. She oversees operations in Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, Ethiopia, Rwanda, and Zambia. Wambui has an MBA in strategic management, a postgraduate diploma in computer science, and a bachelor's degree in business and economics. She has over 20 years of experience as a technology industry executive and is an entrepreneur with a track record of award-winning performance and recognition as a visionary leader. Some of those who have testified to her visionary leadership include CIO East Africa, which is a leading IT magazine in East Africa, where she was recognized as one of the top 30 women in technology in East Africa for ICT leadership in 2020. She was also recognized by the IFC, which is International Finance Corporation, Trailblazers, as one of the top 20 female leaders in emerging and frontier markets as a value creator in 2019. Back in Kenya, she was um, recognized as one of those leaders changing lives through innovation. I've also known Wambui for quite some time as well. Wambui is an entrepreneur at heart. She has co-founded and run a tech company that was recognized by Microsoft five times over the years for excellence and business growth within West, East, and Central Africa and East and Southern Africa. As from our conversation, you're going to learn that Wambui is really passionate about giving back and giving forward. I like that, giving back and giving forward. She's actively involved in mentoring the next generation of leaders in general and in the IT space in particular. She volunteers as a, a mentor to many um, around, even including the Presidential Digital Talent Program in Kenya, the Logos Christian Scholarship Fund, as well as the MasterCards Foundation's Global Give Back Circle. She's a member of the Kenya Women on Boards Network, Women in Technology, Kenya Chapter, and Kenya Institute of Directors. One way, one warm welcome. Whoa, an amazing profile you have, still climbing. You didn't mention that you've also been appointed uh, to the board of a leading financial services institution. Congratulations on that. Welcome. Thank you for coming on board to share some of your thoughts and um, experiences with us. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so, um, yeah, I mean, I said I've known you for quite some, right? From my days in Microsoft, I couldn't think of a better person to bring on board. But you've gone on to do really, really amazing things. Um, but let's start from the beginning. 
because um, your experience uh, growing up is fascinating and there are so many learnings that you've gleaned. I'm sure you would like to share some of that. So what was your experience growing up and what has been its impact on who you are and where you are today? So thank you very much, Neka. It, it's really a pleasure, you know, um, having the platform. Uh, my background, yes, you're right. It, it's, uh, like you said, a bit fascinating. <laughs> um, childhood. And uh, I think it was happy because I grew up among 96 other children, uh, or rather, you know, 96 of us. And, uh, you know, I had 95 siblings. So it is fascinating because uh, we're all, um, we found ourselves because of circumstances in a children's home. So basically I grew up in, in a children's home. Um, what I credit the children's home for, however, is that they were very intentional about taking us to the right schools, what was very intentional, even though it was an orphanage, um, you know, surrounding us with caregivers that were positive and would speak positive into our lives. And even though we found ourselves in the home because of unfortunate uh, circumstances in our lives, they actually did give us a uh, good education. For example, I went to one of the best schools uh, or two of the best schools in the country for my from one to four. This is high school and also uh, secondary school and also high school, uh, you know, top, top class uh, uh, type of schools in Kenya. So from a spiritual point of view as well, we got spiritual nourishment, encouragement, and we were just given one condition. This is a conveyor belt. There is no second chance, you know, because there are many children who want this kind of uh, help. So if you found yourself stuck and you're not able to pass, um, you know, the various stages of your schooling, for example, primary school, you are taken to do carpentry or housework or sewing, and you found yourself in the job market. Those who continued into secondary school, you know, after Form 4, if you don't do well, you go into, you know, tertiary uh, kind of education, and then the rest go to high school and then university. It was actually a conveyor belt. And the day you go to university, you fold up all your clothes, and you say bye-bye to everybody and your beddings, and you're out to university. You are the heights of your career right now. I mean, it's really been an amazing life. So what would you say to someone, uh, a young career person who is kind of just getting started and is kind of still looking back and saying, oh, either she was brought up in a dysfunctional home or she had challenges growing up and this is what, you know, and just things like that. I don't want to call them excuses, but, you know, to be fair, obviously situations do happen. What would you say to that lady who is listening? Um, I would say, Neka, when life gives you lemons, you must make your lemonade. Everybody has a story. I used to think, oh, my goodness, I have this story. I'm disadvantaged. Then I went out and I found people who grew up in homes with a father, with a mother, you know, but they also have stories, what I would call baggage, for lack of a better word. So it's not about where you're coming from. It's about claiming the future that is ahead of you and for you. So there is no excuse, Neka. For me, uh, so long as you've been given the education, the ground becomes level for everybody at some stage, whether you're from a good home or a dysfunctional home. And it's up to you now to define your future. So there are no excuses, yes. Right. So when you were growing, like in secondary school, when you knew that when you get to university, this is it, did you have that ambition or what was driving you? 
to like, you know what, I'm not going to get on this conveyor belt, you know, because I don't have a second chance at this. Why were you doing what you were doing? It's interesting, uh, Neka, because a few weeks ago, I was speaking to a few uh, young children between the age of 13 and 24 about vision, visioning. And honestly, I did have a vision. My vision was driven by two things. One, fear of poverty. So I did not want to get into the conveyor belt. That was really, you know, something that pushed me. But secondly, I used to sit down under a jacaranda tree. It was right in the middle of the home. And I would look at the airplanes passing by and I said, you know what? I want to fly. And it was very vivid in my head. I want to fly. And the only way I knew I would be able to fly was to be an air hostess. So when you ask me as a young girl, seven-year-old, eight, what do you want to be? I want to be an air hostess. Obviously, as I grew older, and it happens to all of us, then you keep crystallizing your vision and you realize, oh, I can actually fly. I don't have to be an air hostess. There are other you know, careers I can follow. You and I know that at Microsoft, I mean, oh we my. how many countries? I can't, it was lost counts, exactly. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. a flying from Mauritius to Turkey to Czech Republic. To, you know. So the dream did come true. It has to start with a vision. And as you grow older, you crystallize, you remove one or two things, you add others, you're moving in a certain direction. Two steps forward, one step back, but you're still making progress. True, true, true. Okay, so you've kind of been on both sides. Now moving fast forward into your vocation. You have been an entrepreneur where you had your own business, which grew, and then you are now an intrapreneur because you're still an entrepreneur with PL responsibility and around a region. What's your experience and having been on both sides of the fence, you know, as a founder and then a CEO? very interesting. I mean, both of them, very different hats that you wear, but yet um, quite a bit of similarities across, uh, you know, the two experiences. I'll start with an experience as an entrepreneur because, uh, you know, um, I did that for, um, you know, uh, quite a number of years. And uh, I still call myself, um, what do you call a serial entrepreneur. Tomorrow oh, I may true. be starting another because yeah. of uh, the idea that I have. My experiences and, and the lesson that I've learned is it is so important to have an imagination. Imagination is key. And imagination is actually more important than knowledge. When you have an imagination, you are able to become curious and inquisitive. And you find out why are people struggling in this environment? For example, why do we have chaos in, in the transport sector in Kenya? And then you say, what can I do to resolve that? problem and, and that's what entrepreneurs do you know so so i learned it's important to have an imagination now for me i had a lot of ideas but i didn't have the money or the capital so it's not just about having ideas it's, it's about connections so you have your idea who do you know even if you don't know a lot of people you know somebody who knows somebody or you know somebody you, you know you get what i'm saying so once you have a creative imagination um, go out and, and, and uh, look for, uh, you know, connections because you might not have your own money. You have an idea and somebody else has the money. And that's how investments happen. Um, so, so I learned that very quickly. Number two, I learned uh, it's very important to choose your co-founders very, very carefully because the people who own the business with you will either break you or make you. So you have to make the right choices. I tell you, I have you know, been to litigation because 
of exactly this. So initially you think your friends, your family, and then you start a business, and then once the business begins to grow, because you didn't define who and your roles very well, you get into problems. You know, actually, you know, I put more effort than you. You understand? So define your roles very early and know who you're getting into business with because that will break or make you. Yeah, so the third one is um, know your magic. Know your magic because you are not good at everything. So know your magic. And then you spend 80% of your effort on your strength. That's your magic. And then leave, you know, sorry. So you spend 20% of your effort on, on your magic. It's an 80-20 rule, basically. Then leave the rest of the 80% you know, to other people, delegate, 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 delegate. It's very important. And uh, finally, um, it's very important to have uh, a balanced vision. Balanced vision, I'll explain it in two ways, Neka. One, it's very important to understand that there's a future and there's a present. If you spend yourself completely on the present, you might not have the energy for the future. So balance. And by balance, I'm talking about, you know, have fun, travel, uh, do stuff. Even as you're doing this thing, balance vision. Don't destroy your family, your, your other life, you know, just because you're pursuing this entrepreneur, entrepreneurship. Um, so that is one. And the other example probably I could give is, um, you know, even as you're spending time working very hard, entrepreneurs, you know, you are working 18, 20 hours sometimes, you know, a day. Um, you know, take time to do other things currently. So you're balancing your life now, but also balance your life for the future because you still have to live for the future. Help you to avoid burnout. <laughs> really, I really love the, you know, the term you've given, balanced vision. In fact, I was curious when you were saying that, but it's so true. You know, the vision of the present and then the future, because at times you may spend too much time in the future neglecting the present and vice versa. Yes. The point you talked about, um, you know, who you are partnering with and all that, as you were speaking about that, thought about marriage, right? So it's like a marriage because your marriage can either make or break you, right? So you're also in business as well. What would you say is your number one? I know you're going to say you have many. Learning experience so far in life <laughs> that you say, well, this, this, for me, this has been it. Um, uh, my number one learning experience, I would say, is um, the future is unknown because I've, uh, in my in my earlier years as entrepreneur, I would really plan for the future, Neka. You know, I mean, I'm talking about now immediate opportunities for business, and everything is done, and you've done everything a hundred percent, and you still fail. You still you know, do not uh, get that opportunity. So because the future is unknown, treat people with respect, treat people fairly, and treat people well. Because tomorrow, you do not know who you're going to meet along the way. And, and I was just talking about that example of, you know, you miss a deal, you don't wake up. And, and I'll give you now quick examples. The other day, I walked into a room and we're just about to sign a big deal. And uh, immediately I walk into the room, I'm the chairperson of the board, and then they tell me, by the way, I'm curious, I knew there were more Bessa who did this and this and this and this. I said, yes, I am. But they had just needed to, you know, interrupt me and told me, you can do the job because I've heard about this and this and this. The second example, a finance director of one of the beverage companies here in Kenya 
um, sees my name, uh, you know, as I'm signing, you know, some document uh, also to, you know, for a business opportunity to deploy an ERP system for them. They call me and say, well, boy, it is you who's now running that company? It's not the current company, I mean, you know, another company. And uh, they say, because of you, we're going to give you this project. But nobody knows the future, so treat people well, treat people fairly with respect and integrity. This is a major, major one, you know. And, you know, you said two things I want to just highlight here. One around the fact that you said, I mean, you can plan and plan, do all things, work hard. Nothing sure. You don't see any results. You know, especially yeah. in Africa, you know, where a lot of things are outside your control. You know, and just taking things, knowing that you have prepared for that. And then, you know, the power of networks, your network and treating people right. Um, so can you speak into that particularly for women, knowing that we are, when you compare to men generally, the general consensus is that we are not as actively developing strong networks? Yeah. So let's say you're talking about networks. Networks are very important. And you've heard people say your network is your net worth and so on and so forth. Um, but we have to remember that you need to understand what your non-negotiables are, first of all. Because for us ladies, when we think of, oh, you need to network, you're thinking, I have to go to the club and have a drink with so-and-so. I have to go to the golf course and play the whole day. And, and we've got many other responsibilities that come with being a mother and a woman. And sometimes it's just not your personality, and that's not how you've been socialized. First of all, know your non-negotiables. And then networking does not mean the traditional networking of making sure you're somewhere having a drink with somebody and so on. For me, what I have done is over the years, I have been very deliberate about the times that I meet. And when you say, can we meet for a drink? I always turn it around and say, can we have breakfast instead? You know, and I don't feel shy to say it. A lot of women are shy. And, and they don't have the confidence to say, no, I, I'm not able to meet you for that drink, but can I uh, have breakfast with you? And you'll be surprised. A lot of these CEOs, male or female, they don't mind breakfast at all. They're early birds. Number two, you do not need to uh, change your femininity or speak or talk in any certain way. Just be authentic. Because there's a lot of strength that comes with you being a woman. There are many networking opportunities during the day, there are many networking opportunities, yes, even in the evenings. Many times I have been invited for sessions and dinners and all, and I say, hey, I'm bringing somebody, my husband, with me, you know? I mean, just put it out there, and nobody has ever told me, no, you cannot bring your husband, you know? And, and you know, he's doing his own things, and I'm doing my networking and so on. Sometimes we fear balancing the home and the children, and, and that's why maybe we say, no, I cannot, because my husband, maybe, you know, will feel left out. And Neka, you said something very important. So knowing the people you start with, even marriage, your partner is very, very important. I have been so fortunate and blessed to have a partner who is very supportive. And, uh, you know, he allows me my space. He allows me to shine. He comes once in a while. Uh, you know, it, it, it's never an issue at home. So, so yes, women will have to network. Just be creative about it, you know. And don't say no to every opportunity every to network. You know, yes, even once in a while that evening cocktail, you, you know, you can attend. But but there's so many other options, you know. There is breakfast, there is lunch, there is during the day, there is weekend, and so on and so forth. So be creative and make room for that. But obviously, it's very important, especially as you rise in your career. I mean, just as you just said, you know, the networks you've had that's helped close some of these deals. It wasn't just about your technical skills, which you already have. I mean, that's already given.
right? But there are also obviously other skills as you um, ascend, you know, the career ladder as well. Okay, so congratulations again on being appointed a director of a major financial company. How do you get there? Because it's, it's, it, this is a role that many female executives aspire to become a member of a, 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 a non-executive director. And how did you prepare for that role? So two questions in one. How you made it to being appointed? And then how did you even prepare for the role? I may be the same question. And you can take it however you want to. Okay. Thanks, Nika. Now, let me just put a small caveat. Yes, I, I have been informed about the appointment. It, it, it's in progress. And, uh, you know, just uh, one or two things remaining with the central bank. Uh, but I have received the communication of the appointment. Um, uh, your question is very interesting, Neka, because probably I don't have an answers of how it happened, but I will speak into the things that I know um, I have intentionally and deliberately done around this issue of, you know, putting myself out there and saying, uh, hey, I am available and I can do this. And I'll tell you the things that I have done. One, I decided to join... Um, and I think you read in my introduction, what we call the Women on Boards Network. Yeah. Uh, for a long time, we know there is this thing of, you know, boys club and so on and so forth. And um, you, we need to put ourselves out there. So I did join what we call the Women on Boards Network. And I believe it's a global network, but I am in the Kenya chapter. And when you're in this network, you have to attend training and, and meetings and and you know, on, on, on corporate governance and, and board directorship and, and just killing yourself, ensuring you're ready. Because opportunity, when it comes, you know, it, it, it'll pass you if you're not ready. If you're not ready, yes. Yes. We said that opportunity, somebody goes to preparation. No, you. Yes. Preparation. Yes. Yeah. Preparation. And, and this is how you prepare. So just like the vision I had when, you know, flying under a jacaranda tree, it's exactly the same concept. So I joined, I have been training, and then I have been given opportunities to sit in small boards, IT boards. Some of them, tiny companies, have said yes, you know, because as you're leading those boards, you're actually sharpening yourself. And then um, preparing your CV. You know, there are different kinds of CVs, uh, NECA. There is a, you know, CV for employment. There are actually CVs for boards. So you're preparing yourself so that you're competent. You are preparing your CV, and then you read a lot about all these institutions and so on. And so when the call came, because a call did come and say, hey, there is this opportunity, could you please forward your CV for this role? I did. It was a matter of minutes, and I forwarded my CV. It was ready. And this is what being in women on boards, you know, prepared us, guys. The call will come. Be ready. Now, there is what we call building your brand. It is very important. Um, I have been out there, you know, uh, writing and, 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 you know, speaking to the industry, which is technology, which is what I am, you know, very good at and I know. And I put myself out there. I give opinions, um, you know, whether it's written on accepting uh, opportunities to speak, going to uh, universities and, and talking, you know, about technology and, and especially how technology would, uh, you know, affect the, the fintech in this case because we're in the FSI space, the financial services sector space. And, and I believe all these things amplified um, uh, probably profile, and that's why I got the call. Now, this was not handed to me on a silver platter. I did have to go through interviews and interviews and interviews. 
Um, but that is how I did prepare for it. And of course, we all say, um, by God's grace, Neka, by God's grace, because he does give us the opportunities, but he also expects us to prepare. So you talked about something very powerful, which is about even your personal brand. You know, your intention about a female technology leader, women in technology, you can do other things, but you have chosen this area, perhaps through experience, your work experience and all that, and continue to build and hone those skills, you know. I mean, this is really commendable. So it wasn't like you said, handed to you on a platter. You've, you've had to literally work for it, you know, and you have that plan, you know, okay, I'm going to do this, and, and it's, it's just going to keep getting better and better because more opportunities will come as you continue um, on this. Excellent. Yes, absolutely. Maybe, Neka, you can allow me to say so that, you know, it doesn't look like, you know, it's magic. No. Um, I did have other no interviews. magic at all. <laughs> <laughs> I did have other interviews where, you know, I didn't um, get the appointment. Yes. You understand? So it's about learning and, and going back and looking through the questions and, you know, just asking a few questions around uh, how did I do that interview. Um, Apart from dealing with the disappointment first, right, or the rejection that you made, they did not take me. How? <laughs> I know. And sometimes we, we can self-doubt, you know, oh, my goodness, you know, I did get that. But I tell you, that experience gave me a very good basis and platform to actually do well for the second experience. And that's why I ended up by saying, you know, uh, by God's grace, because, you know, I learned from my mistakes or from the experience. Sometimes it's not a mistake. It, it just wasn't meant to be. And then uh, I use that for the next experience. So it's about building. And all the time, you'll always do two steps forward, one step back. So long as there's progress, you're fine. Great. Okay, we are beginning to round down. What books, I mean, reading, reading, reading. For me, I, I mean, I, I love to read. So I always have to ask my guests this question. What three books have impacted you the most in 12 months? Because I also shared that in the show notes. Because beyond this time together, um, the listeners will obviously want to, you know, learn key into some of the books that has impacted you. Um, that I can immediately remember. We'll put the references in the show notes. Okay. All right. Um, very quickly, and it's a book I keep going back to because it's a fantastic book. It's called The Extra 1% by Rob Yang. I love this book, Neka, because, and I keep going back to it. I have to get it. I haven't read that. You're going to love it. You'll love it. So it's about how small changes make exceptional people. If you want to be an exceptional person, we have very many of us. Um, you know, who are very good, well-educated, you know, doing very well. What is that thing that will set you apart? The author, Rob, calls it the extra 1%. It's the little subtle things that you do that actually raise you above everybody else and cause you to shine. And an example I like giving is, you remember the, the swimmer, um, uh, Phelps, uh, Michael Phelps, or something yes. like that? Yes. He, he's won a few of the Olympic swimming and all that. And the difference between him and number two is milliseconds of, you know, you touch the swimming pool edge and the other one swimming. But the difference is he got a few million dollars as the number one prize. The other guy got $250,000. The difference is that extra 1%. When he was interviewed, he said, no, my coach tells me I should eat a lot of eggs for protein and so on and so forth. And, and those are the little things I do, eating eggs for protein, you know. And I win. That extra one is worth millions of dollars. 
The second book, and I've read this, and I'm, uh, you know, again, I've actually read it more than once because I was reading with my daughter. She's 20 years old uh, now. It's actually Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. For me, it's very inspirational. And, uh, you know, the lessons and so on, we, we uh, discuss it quite a bit. I just love her, her journey of, uh, you know, perseverance and, and, and um, uh, you know, going through uh, the, the racial, you know, undertones and so on. It's, it's all, uh, like I said at the beginning, everybody has gone through their own challenges. For her, it is, you know, the racial undertones and then going all the way to great schools and then marrying Barack and, you know. So becoming, for me, is a book that I've read in the last, um, um, you know, many months. Um, the final, actually, the, the second last one, um, and, and this is this will sound strange because I've just gifted it to three people uh, this week. It's actually called The Defining Decade, the 20s. And the reason is my daughter has just turned 20. My son is 20-something. And then, you know, I had somebody else uh, who I needed to give that book to. Neka, sometimes we have to go back because nobody gave us that kind of insight. This is a fantastic book that says your 20s are the defining decade. Uh, if you can look for, for the book, it's a fantastic book. No, I am going to. I mean, my daughter is turning 21 very soon. I mean, have you read the book? I have read the book. Okay. I have spoken about it. You know, to even, you know, I go for graduations and all that, and then I purpose for Christmas to give it to my two children. They've turned 20. Um, you know, and just this week I was giving it to someone else. So it's a fantastic book. And then finally, because I'm doing this in what I call the Bible Study Fellowship, the book of Genesis is a fantastic book. <laughs> you know, sometimes we think of all these books. It is a book in itself. Two people have really impacted me, uh, the life of Jacob and the life of Joseph. For Jacob, I can just say, you know, uh, two things, you know, stop helping God. He has plans for you and he will, he will bring them to fruition. So don't try to cut corners so that you can help God. Integrity is key. Just keep your integrity. God will bring to fruition what he has for you. That's Jacob. For Joseph, fantastic entrepreneur, fantastic strategist, planner. And, and he brought so much wealth to Pharaoh just because he was a fantastic entrepreneur. For me, those are the books that I'm reading right now. And to the next week, I'll finish the book of Genesis. And, and, and yeah, I'll be done with wow. the book of Genesis. Really, really insightful. Okay, so two more questions and we wrap this up. Your impact projects, I know you're involved in um, several of them. What are the two that touch your heart and why? Maybe speak a bit about the giving back and giving forward. Yes, yes. Um, actually, that's my number one project. Um, and, and I'll talk about it in this way, Neka. For me, I found my purpose, because we all have purpose. I found my purpose in, um, and, and I want to distinguish, it's very different from career and it's very different from job. And, and my purpose is driven by my faith and is to actually uh, make an impact in people's lives, especially the downtrodden and those who um, are from a, a social economic disadvantaged uh, background. And, and maybe it's because of my past.
that, that informs this. I only use my position as, a, as an entrepreneur or as an intrapreneur, uh, a position of privilege because now I have access to resources, to networks, to actually advance that other purpose. So my current project, the, the one, one that, that you know, I'm, I'm really involved in right now, is uh, helping girls. I'm, I'm mentoring uh, a few of them in Uganda through the, the uh, Global Give Back Foundation and through also uh, Jubilee Scholarship uh, Foundation. I'm helping girls who are interested in getting the STEM space um, to begin to think about the subjects that they're doing now so they can get into you know, technology or, or engineering uh, careers. And I'm very intentional about this. Tomorrow, I'm the guest of honor in, in one of the, it's called um, Little, Little, Little Creators, something like this, you know, where I'm, I'm, I'm giving encouragement, uh, you know, getting to the STEM subjects. These are the things you need to do. I'll hold your hand, looking for scholarships for all these um, girls who have done well, um, and, and I'm actively doing that. And, and, you know, helping them to fill out the forms, whether it's for wings to fly, just so that they can get their dreams come true. Um, so that is something that actually, I, I can name a lot of names of young girls who are actually um, either right now, uh, maybe in the U.S. or, uh, you know, on scholarship and so on, uh, because of some of these initiatives. The sense of fulfillment, right? Knowing that you've been a part of helping oh. impact somebody's life, and that's the future. Right, the next generation. Yes. Let me give you a fantastic thing that happened. About a year ago, just before COVID hit, I was in Uganda and the group CEO of the company I'm working for right now was with me. So, you know, he came to tour and I called my mentee and I said, hey, meet me. And she did come. And when she came, you know, we had our session and then I said, let me introduce our group CEO, you know, and then we went and I introduced and he was so impressed and touched. And, and he said, what is she doing? IT? Hmm, maybe she'll look for a way of getting her into our company so that she can, you know, and, and you can see this oh, is wow. living, living my life as a CEO of this company, stretching my network from my boss, my group CEO, and living it out in front of this young lady in real life. And she's one of the girls who's actually now being admitted to one of the universities in the U.S. Um, waiting for the financial aid and so on. So it does work. Plus, and your work, you know, you... Absolutely. You know, and you yes. see that it's more than success and money, right? What you are now in a position to do. I mean, that's what true fulfillment and truly living a significant life is all about. Yes. So the second example is, is uh, we do have a customer right now. Uh, they are in the financial services sector space. And uh, NECA, um, especially as women and uh, leaders, everybody looks at us, the, the industry and, and, and society, and they want to see, are you succeeding in your work? Okay? Uh, we were in the middle of deploying a very important core banking system for one of our customers. And then uh, just when we were about to go live in March, COVID hit and everything disintegrated. On 1st of June, 2020, we immediately, the COVID struck, we, um, of course, invoked the business continuity plans and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, quickly, you know, reorganized ourselves, um, started working remotely, guided the customer how they can also work remotely. On 1st of June, 2020, we went live on a core banking system remotely. Today, that customer is so happy. Uh, we're about to celebrate one year. And why I say this is because you can have impact amidst chaos, amidst um, 
a lot of companies decided to invoke the force majeure clause, you know, in their in their contracts and all that. We said, you know what? This project is so important for this financial organization. We need to do this. Uh, what would you say that's as a, as a result of? Is it the attitude? Is it? I mean, what is it? Because you are the leader, right? I mean, you didn't have to. Yes. So, what what was that main trigger? What's inspired you? That's the word. What's inspired you to decide to do that? We cannot fail. We we. I don't like taking excuses. As much as I can, I want to fulfill what it is that I've set out to fulfill. Um, but number two, there's so many people watching because you're a woman. You're, I mean, everybody is watching. And so you need to go an extra mile to say, you know what? I need to be an inspiration to the people coming behind me. I need to get the confidence of the customer. Um, because even as I won this job, I was competing against very many other, you know, male-led organizations. And, you know, there is no excuse. And, and finally, it could be done. So why not do it? The shelves are full of so many uh, excuses. People saying we couldn't do it because of this and that. No, if you can do it, you should do it. Powerful. One <laughs> bit powerful. Okay, the last but not the least. Um, Final word to that middle career person or who you, whoever you think that you're speaking to now, who is aspiring to be in your role? What, what are your final words to that person? Um, yes, uh, very interesting. You know, what we call the corporate ladder is a very tricky ladder because sometimes you think you put the ladder up and then you start climbing and when you reach, you see it was the wrong ladder. Sometimes you try to go up the ladder and you're forced to take a detour and you fall off. Uh, sometimes you ride through the ladder and then you find yourself going down the ladder. So it's not about climbing the ladder. It's actually about the future, like we said, but also running together with others. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, like the African proverb says, go together. So listen to others, be humble. If you look at many, many of the leading rich people in the world, they're very humble people. So to that person, middle career, those are the things you need to do. Listen, listen, listen. Uh, mediocrity is out of the question. Do not be mediocre. You cannot afford to be mediocre. Do that extra 1%. Um, that little thing you do when everybody has rushed off and gone home because it's 5 p.m., you know, th those five minutes that you put in to do the extra 1%, those are the things that make a difference. Uh, finally, I would like to tell them the end does not justify the means. So integrity is very, very important. Do not sacrifice your future or, uh, you know, what the Bible tells us, um, sell your soul, you know, <laughs> for, the, for the sake of money or whatever. It's not yes, worth it. So the end not. does not justify the means. The process is very, very important. Do the right thing always you will get to your destination. Wow, wow, wow. Swampui, this has been extremely insightful. I mean, I've known you for a while, but you've just, you've just taken up yet to another level. I mean, I've always admired you and just your drive and your tenacity, but this just takes it up to another level. Thank you so, so much for sharing from your wealth of wisdom, your experiences. I'm sure you also must have also picked up one or two things. And until next um, episode, endeavor to to learn, to grow, to profit and make an impact. Until then, God bless. This concludes 
this episode of Accelerate. All the information links will be down in the show notes. If you have not done so already, hit that subscribe button on your podcast player of choice on Apple. This will make sure you don't miss any of the amazing content we have lined up and rolling out for you. If you love this episode, it will mean a lot if you would leave a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. Finally, if you haven't connected with me over on Instagram and you're interested in learning more about similar episodes and all that's happening before they even get announced publicly, let's make sure to connect over there at Accelerate on Neck and Wobi on Instagram. But with all that said, I appreciate you being here. I look forward to connecting with you over on Instagram. And until I see you in the next episode, endeavor to grow, profit, and make an impact.